This episode is sponsored by Bigger City. Thank you so much for supporting us and helping our show to grow. Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Michael Willer. I am a chubby chaser, and today I am a monsoon survivor boy. <laughs> I, it was a harrowing experience getting here from the greater Vegas area. Uh, last night, I drove down through, I think, four different torrential downpours Damn. that like started and stopped on the way down. Almost got blown off the road. What? I'm just, I'm, I'm listening. Oh, I thought you were waving at me to quiet no. down. <laughs> I was, I was amped up. Anyway, no, my, so, it's my wrist. Okay. He braves this weather for you, dear listener. That's for right. You, it's all for you. It's all for you, podcast. Neither rain, nor sleep, <laughs> nor dark of night shall stop thee. Or dust storms. There were dust, dust storms. storms. Dust storms. How do you get dust storms and rain at the same time? They're called I, mud storms. It's, it's, <laughs> I'll tell you, it looks like fog. Really? In the rain, yeah. It's because that happened. I thought you that were kidding. Actually, nope, that happened. It was there were independent monsoons and dust storms, and then there was the combined factor, the mud storms. And okay. if you look up into the sky, there was a break in the clouds, and I could see sheets of brown rain. Wow! It was really dark so brown weird. gray. Yeah, it was wild. Anyway. Hello, dear listeners. I am Don Marshall. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today I am an anticipatory theater boy because tomorrow oh, I go get to, I get to go see what? Peter Pan. The play goes wrong. Oh, it's, it's fabulous. So it's fabulous. It's so good. I've been looking forward to it for literally months. Who's so. doing your narrator? We get Daniel Day Kim. Oh, good. And they have just extended with Neil Patrick Harris. Who did yes. it in New York. Yeah. So mm. I'm super excited for Daniel Day Kim. I love him to pieces and I'm looking forward to it. It awesome. is such a genius piece. Uh, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, you can actually see most of their productions on YouTube and they are amazing. It's called The Play Goes Wrong. I'm seeing Peter plan The Play Goes Wrong, but they have all sorts of productions out there. And mm. if any of you are fanatics for the farce, like Michael and I, uh, in, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh, um, fuck, uh, it's out of my brain. Noises Off? Noises Off, off thank oh, right? you. I just guessed. Uh, right. No, it's a good guess. <laughs> it, noises <laughs> Off is the, the play that they are always compared to. The primogenitor. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently... In uh, it was Lincoln Center they were performing at. The uh, the house manager uh, was interviewed and he said that they have never had to disinfect the seats as much. Oh shit! After performances as they have had with uh, the play goes wrong and noises off. Oh my god, I'm gonna pee like yeah. that. Yeah, people oh literally god. peeing themselves from laughing shit, so hard. Shit. Oh, I I went a different direction with that, but anyway, <laughs> Dan. <laughs> um, hi, my name is Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and authorized chubby chaser. And I am just contemplating the wonderful truffulent like tree outside our window. It has big pink blossoms. I feel like I'm in Candyland where, you know, we have this cotton <laughs> candy tree. And, Welcome um, to Dan's Land of Botanicals. <laughs> it's just lovely. By the way, the other thing that we should say about Peter Pan, The Play Goes Wrong, is that I think the guy who writes all of these, or at least heads the company, is this gorgeous fat guy. He is, he is a freaking genius. And he is a genius and he is gorgeous and he is not small. And um, <laughs> he is, it's, I'm sorry, that's worth the price of admission. <laughs> just saying, just saying people. I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm super chub and today, I don't know, I'm looking at the truffy trees as well and I'm in my barbaloot suit. He is. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? You've never heard of the barbaloot suit? No, what? Uh, Dr. Seuss. Oh, okay. the Lorax. The Lorax. Yeah. Oh, he speaks I, for the trees. I'm in my barbalute suit. I didn't I hear see. bar. I just heard balut, which is a very specific dish from the Philippines that I was very confused by. 
No, if, not that. If you can't tell from our chaotic energy, we are in person once again. Yes. yes. As we do uh, every, every couple of weeks. Welcome to the show. We have a tiny bit of housekeeping to get out of the way. First up, thank you to the Patreons that support us on Patreon. Thank you. And helping to keep the show going and saving my arms from eternal pain. Exciting update to come on that, on the arm front. I, oh. I don't have anything confirmed yet, but hopefully within the next month... I will be good. Oh my go. God. Are you getting the third You're one? You're getting a transplant. Yes. <laughs> I'm having them chopped off. <laughs> the Luke Skywalker arms? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe Robo Michael. Thank you also to Bigger City for sponsoring the episode. We said it at the start, but it's always nice to repeat. They are giving us a huge degree of support and we really, really appreciate it. Yes, yeah. we do. Final thing, Big Fig. So they, by the time this comes out, I think the sale will be over. This is their Labor Day sale, Labor Day mattress sale. Their largest discount ever. But anyway, if you want to support the show and if you may be thinking about getting a new mattress or mattress system with the frame and everything, Big Fig is a great way to support both of us mm-hmm. because we have an affiliate link on our website. You can support us and you can get yourself. See, I, I see what you did there with the support, the mattress support. to support you. That's really clever. It was an accident. <laughs> no, it's no accident. Thank you for dragging me into the pun world. <laughs> And with that done, shall we move into pop culture? Oh, yeah. I'm feeling like sexy cat energy. <laughs> like, but like, it's like a, a Disney movie, sexy cat, where it's like, it's a cat, but they have him sliding because they're like, sexy. <laughs> or oh, a cool cat. And it's like a little uncomfortable because you're not sure why yeah. you're attracted to it because it's cartoon. <laughs> yes. Like Jessica Rabbit style. <laughs> well, no, anyway. more like um, uh, Robin Hood. Okay. <laughs> a very handsome fox. Oh, <laughs> right, 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 right. We have a whole themed episode, which might get a little heavy, um, <laughs> which I'm not <laughs> intending for a pun. Like, Hold too on. bad. Uh, wah, wah. There we go. But this first uh, story will just kind of set us off, and you can see if you can see where we're going with it. Oh, boy. So this came up in my aggregator, and I just thought it was so fascinating. <laughs> there is a study <laughs> Who, about, the, why? Oh. about the weight of serving dishes. So basically the plate you would take, I assume at a buffet. I, I think it's anywhere. Or home. It's I supposed think it's to be the home. home, too. But you don't do what well, when we describe the study, you'll see why I'm very yeah. suspicious about home. Yeah. Well, it's because it's the weight of the serving dish and the utensil. Right, but basically the study says that the higher the weight of the serving dish, a.k.a. plate, the less sensitive the eater is to the weight of the food. And so you tend to overeat. So you would put more on the plate because you can't tell how much you're putting on there, which to me is kind of like the water is wet study. (laughs) Well, because the principle is that the smaller the difference between the two, between the base weight and the increase, the less you can perceive it. I think there's actually some value to this, though, because it's it has been a known study for quite some time that restaurants can get away with charging for more. If the plate's w- heavier. If the plate and the silverware they serve it yeah. with is heavier. Because people perceive it as increased quality. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I feel like this goes hand in hand with that and it makes a slightly different statement than both because that it, to me that's counterintuitive. I would think that if the uh, the plate was heavier... I would assume that the, and I was paying, I was willing to pay more for the food that I would assume the food on the heavier plate has greater value. Well, and so here's my thing. In order to make this study walk and talk, you have to be holding the plate to perceive its weight. 
Like because mm-hmm. you know, having it on the table, you don't know how much it weighs. Right. Having you have to hold it in your hand, and then you have to put the food on the plate in your hand. Right. That only that usually doesn't happen. I guess you could do well, that. I mean, if you're thinking, eating family style, yeah, that is what is only. So happening. imagine sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner and then mm-hmm. passing yeah. the side dishes That's, around the table. But your plate's on the table. No, you're but pick, you're holding the the you're dish carrying the side it and you're passing in. it. But see, I don't know this. I pick up the plate and I put the food on the plate from the table. Okay, See, okay but so that's maybe not what I misunderstood. That's not like maybe, my, well, maybe I misunderstood. I thought they were talking about the dish that the food was served. That's in. what I thought as well. Is I believe it case? was the food you're eating off of. I, that, it, was my, that was my understanding. I, I'm with Don because I think that's the only way it makes sense. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't perceive I mean, because it wouldn't be the amount of- You never pick of, it up if it's the serving Right, dish. you wouldn't be measuring yeah. the amount of food you're taking out of the dish. Well, now but I also, need clarity on this. Th- the whole thing about this study too that like made me a little like, I mean- so they also say that people ate more of the food that they liked oh, that was, yeah. than it that they didn't dishes. like. And it's like, obviously, I think regardless yeah. of the weight of the serving dish or the, you know, because well, they also talk, they talk say about serving trade. dishes every single time. I am, they do. But that makes no sense if it's the if it's what's coming to the table. As I'm not saying to, the study makes sense. I'm saying <laughs> yeah. they studied the serving dishes. I want to get back to what Trevor's saying, which is like, yeah, they also found that when you put more food on the plate, <gasps> It's the food you like, not the food you don't like. <laughs> like yes, very good. I will admit very good point, Dexter. dinner, for example, I will take some of the green beans, meaning two green beans. You know, like, but they'll be on my plate. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I kind of, the only way I can imagine this is that you're holding the plate you're eating off of and you're putting the food on that plate. All of this to say that they're they're pointing out that the, a great way to eradicate obesity would to be have lighter dishes. <laughs> it's crappy. F- no, like just it's, eliminate dishes. Just eat out of your hands. <laughs> it's just so you know. Dumb. Eliminate plates. Just open your mouth next to the table and ask people to just scoop it directly. I, you know, we're I not mean, using en- other thing. We're not using enough troughs. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video of. So this was like at a Hershey World or something. So I don't know if it was. I think it was the like. Hershey theme park, the factory portion of it. Okay. And Augusta save some for later. It was the the sample room where you get on, you know, you get a bag and you can take as much as you want. And it was it's designed so that you can put your bag directly under the dispenser. Mm-hmm. And people were just dumping the dispenser onto the table and then like scooping it up. Oh my god. Put in their bag. And it was just, I was like, this and it, wow. but it was this video of all these people doing it the but same way. And it's like how heavy were the bags? <laughs> but, but it's just like, it seems so obvi- and obvious. And I, that's what makes me question the study is I feel like it's so hard to control something like that. I also, also the be, fact that it was only 50 people. Yeah. And what I'm curious, what food? Well, clearly, clearly there was a difference between the food people liked and didn't like. Yeah. Or was that an independent, a different study? There, the only sure. types of food they had there were Brussels sprouts and <laughs> chocolate. Yeah. It's <laughs> all you could take. <laughs> anyway, I'm imagining like the the scientists behind the glass and like there's a big chocolate cake and just, you know, raw uncooked broccoli. <laughs> and they see someone take a big piece of cake and they're just like, fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question, Dan, it was a separate study. Yeah, I thought so. For the amount of... For the... For the w- w- did you liking, take food you liked? Yeah. As, yeah. I mean, but that's so obvious. Do we really need to do a scientific <laughs> I study? I told you, it's like, the water is wet study. <laughs> I mean, they literally end this with, to promote healthier eating behavior, the scientists suggest that serving dishes heavier than standard dishes should be avoided at both individual and organizational levels. Oh, my God. Like, I, okay, good. Like, can we... 
<laughs> Good job. Like, well, I mean, you did your job for the year. But there is a problem because, as Don points out, when you get like when you get a little cheapy, cheesy Malamar plate, yeah, you feel you automatically feel cheated. Yeah. Like you haven't put anything on it. You haven't seen the food. You already feel cheated. I, look, I having been to enough uh, picnics and barbecues, the weight of food that people load up onto oh those paper God. plates is insane. I personally, I don't buy this at all. Th- that is th- this to me. The first thing that popped into my head was being at a barbecue and seeing the mound, like mountain of food on a paper plate or, or be- when you have to beg for a second plate. Cause it's like, I, yeah, I need no, more structural you integrity take two yeah. plates so that they don't fall apart. Like this is, this to me doesn't hold water. Or at is all. it the two plates that's causing you to put more food on it? Ha ha. <laughs> but they're light, they're paper. Or but it's twice the weight. The, the I can counter I can counter argument this saying that I have gone to uh, like high end all you can eat buffet brunches. Yeah. Right. And they have thick plates yes. at most of these places, right? And people will load up those plates. Yep. I have been at them when they've run out of plates. And the second tier plates come out and the thin uh-huh. ones. And all of a sudden, like people are a little bit less eager to mound them up. Well, well that, that and there's no more plates left because they've already been there eating for an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably I think also uh, they're concerned about the structural integrity of the of floor. These <laughs> <laughs> no, so the the study also talks about people, you know, the weight of utensils and people saying that yogurt on a heavier spoon yes, tastes better. It's true. I recently had an experience where maybe this is kind of wrongful, maybe not, but. I had Foster's Freeze after a harrowing trip to Ikea. (laughs) (laughs) And the spoon they gave me for my frozen frozen custard was the worst spoon I have ever had where I like, it was bending trying to pick up, you know. The heavy laden Foster's Freeze. (laughs) And (laughs) it didn't taste worse, but it it was also. Yes, it did. It was was a harrowing experience. Like, I'm just, I'm so hungry and I'm just trying to get some ice cream and I can't because it just can't lift. I will, I will say it outright. I think ice cream tastes better with a big, heavy spoon. Of course it does. No, yep. they've done lots and lots of studies about texture, the texture of utensils. Mm-hmm. Like they've tried like making a, a pebbly texture teaspoon and people just get repulsed by, by the whole thing, by the mm-hmm. whole experience. It's why people, it's not so much being bougie, but like wine doesn't taste good out of plastic cups. It's why my father could never drink coffee out of a glass cup. <laughs> My, like it had to be a, it had to be something you know ceramic. like ceramic. Yeah. My friend's mom says wine out of a plastic cup is like sex with a condom. Oh <laughs> wow! He has a lot of brothers and sisters. <laughs> uh, always practice safe drinking. <laughs> well, on yeah. that note, hurtling forward in our in our schedule, our very special episode. So, I part of me was like. We're talking about this again, but then I guess it's not as bad as it could be. CNN travel. Uh, <laughs> why Korean Air will be weighing some passengers before their flights. Okay, so this is not as horrible as people. Yeah, it's not. I was I it's was not. very worried initially, but actually I think this is like logical. Good. It's completely logical. First of all, you can opt out. Yes. Well, and let's put it, it's completely anonymous, meaning they just walk everybody or at least randomly selected people onto a scale because what they're trying to do is norm plate up uh, sorry plane weight and distribution mm-hmm. so it is required by not so much international law but like every time you go to a different country that they get a they get a benchmark for like how heavy is the plane and how is it distributed well the only way you can do that with a loaded plane is to weigh 
in the individual passenger, see where it ends up and do a study like that. Mm -hmm. So you can opt out. There are no names. It's, mm -hmm. they just, they just, it's very much stand on the platform, leave the platform. Go. And this is not like the other, cause we talked about, I mean, it was uh, for a story from before the podcast, but we talked about it in one of our early episodes, the Samoa air thing where it was like, yeah, pay yeah. what you weigh. This is not that. I think this is great. I think this is, I think there should be this sounds More like there's this. a good reason yes. for it. Like I, this is totally acceptable. Well, hey. and if your if your battle cry is we've got to make planes more size friendly, this is the start of that. You have yeah. to have data. I I want to. I'm almost like okay. I got to get. I got to get to Korea <laughs> for this week where they're doing this, so I can get oh, on one of these seriously. flights and be like, okay, Skew check this out. <laughs> Well, no, because it's, I think it's, and, like, I, and it's not, I, sorry, I would be curious if like Southwest did this. They all do this because it's required. If you, you can't take a plane to the United States because the FAA requires this data. So yeah. every two to four years, different airlines will go through this. No, but There's I, an article about New Zealand air just going through it just recently too. But I think like, I want American carriers to be doing this so they can really see. And I think, okay, fat people. If this starts to happen, opt in for weighing because air, I, I mean, the industry must know that like people are fat and that seats are too small and that just like this, this the seats are too small for thin people. Like yeah. we, we got to do something, people. We got to. Yeah. I mean, as, as far as the customer experience, you just stand on a black mat and you walk off the black mat. There's no discussion. They, mm -hmm. they don't tell you the weight. Mm -hmm. And I think this was in reference to the New Zealand Airlines one, but they, supposedly nobody sees what the number is. No. It just gets filtered into a database. Yeah. So um, I was also wondering, I, is it necessary for them to weigh people individually? Because one thing they could do, they have these waiting zones that everybody has to wait in together. You could just weigh groups of people going in and no one's I individual think, weight would ever be known. I think because you need to get a, a data plot. You need to see the distribution. You need to, for example, knowing that the average weight is 200 pounds is meaningless if you don't know how many people are 500 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I feel like this came up maybe in a podcast call where someone was saying that their doctor's office weighs people in kilograms so that the patients mm. don't know. I don't, this came up some, <laughs> the metric system like, working for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Americans don't know the metric system so that they were doing this so that they could have the data for, you know, I records. Cause it. it's the thing of like, you know, I weight should not be the sole identifier of someone's health. But as we talked about in, you know, the, the, the last week's episode, it is important at times to know someone's weight for yeah. like, for a, a medical attention, you know, like for ambulance transportation, mm -hmm. for, I mean, death planning stuff, for, you know, taking care of a body. Dosing medicine. Yeah. yeah. And I think that doctor's offices, you know, if they really want to weigh people, I think this would be a great way. So it's like we have it on record for something, for a situation where we would maybe need it. But it is not going to be like, okay, you know, fatty patient, get up on the scale and now I'm going to yell at you. It's like, okay, no, we have it. It's there. Let's move on. Well, and many doctor's offices already I, will give the patient the option either A, not to know, or B, I think for international list, listeners, they should be measuring patients' weights in drams. And as just a side note, this is, this is purely <laughs> anecdotal, but for the first time I went into my doctor's office and all BMI had been removed from well, all of them. my charts. Good for them. They just wasn't there anymore. I was very surprised by that. That's great. Yeah. All right, moving on to... Twenty-three. 
We need a club remix of this song. Yeah. Oh, we do. I want the. I wonder uh, if we have any composer listeners out there. Oh, we do. I'm sure we do. <laughs> a DJ like the Eagle, and it's just kind of getting like higher and higher and waiting for it to yeah. drop. <laughs> and then it's just like a really low call. <laughs> <laughs> I would go for, yeah, one of those like beatboxing guys. Anyway. Uh, what do we got in the world of fashion? Well, we are. we're returning to the Guardian, our old, old friend. Yes. <laughs> Which, eh, they, I feel like they've been, they've been, they've been doing some heavy lifting lately. No, that, no <laughs> all the Damn news it, that, I keep all, doing this on accident. All the news that's fat to print. Mm. <laughs> and they're talking about our, I don't know, old standard hero, champion. Smith. Yes, I always feel yes. like I'm going to, I don't, there was a time we mispronounced it, I think. And I... Am always like, am I going to say it right? Am I going to say it wrong? Well, we Virginia didn't mispronounce Sultan. it. We misattributed an, oh, okay. an article. Anyway. I thought we mispronounced it. So I'm always like, is it not Soul Smith? No. We, anyway, whatever. Moving on. That was in the um, past. This is now. So this is a, an opinion piece from Rebecca Seal talking about the radical idea of what if we didn't poison children <laughs> with <laughs> toxic diet culture and just obliterate their self-worth and will... And just let them eat what they want. Right. And, and so this is Rebecca Seal, but really being inspired by yes. the book Fat Talk, Coming of Age in Diet Culture, which is Virginia Soul Smith's book about this whole topic of growing up fat and having kids and, you know, and, and the, the absolute mania that people have of like, oh, but your kid will get fat. Your kid might be getting fat. Your kid is fat. And just as I've long said, the, you know, nobody, no child has ever died of obesity, but tens of thousands of kids die from weight and diet stigma mm-hmm. in the form of eating disorders, in the form of disordered eating. So it's, come on, what's really, what's really causing the harm here? This excerpt from her article, I think encompasses the, the book perfectly, which is, it says, Fat Talk's point, backed up by hundreds of expert interviews and years of research, is that our pervasive anti-fat attitude and relentless pursuit of thinness have created systemic biases, however well-intentioned, which harm people who happen to live in bigger bodies far, far more than body size ever could and which are especially dangerous for children. So part of what this is based on, and I really like this citation, is the work of Dr. Diane Newmark, I guess it's Newmark Zainer. T-Z-T-A-I-N-E-R. But basically the doctor's work and research focuses on kids and weight stigma and nutrition. And she talks about how she presented her findings at a 2012 medical conference and the people in the audience refused to accept the findings because Mm -hmm. what she found was the more you put kids on diets, the more you talk to kids about weight and healthy eating, the higher their chances of being fatter later on. Mm-hmm. That was the correlation. And that just could not be accepted. And so there are challenging the issues. Well, you know, well, of course you're only talking to the fat kids and you only talk to the fat kids more if they're non-compliant. And <laughs> so it's like, but you know, but they had it, they had the causal relationship one way. And so a lot of what we're talking about here is very much, she's very much an advocate of what's called intuitive eating, which is not quite as simplistic as eat what you want, mm-hmm. but there's a whole, there's a whole mindfulness yeah. of like, what do I, what is my body feeling right now? What am I craving? What is the source of that craving? I feel like if you talk to most people that have some sort of disordered eating structure, and I'm, I'm talking as someone who has one myself, right? Always has its root back in that time mm-hmm. period, right? So I found for me, right? Like 
I have an ice cream issue. We'll call it an ice cream issue. And just for clarity, the, 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 the time period you're talking about is childhood? Is childhood, yeah. right? Like, I have discovered that I, I love ice cream. If I have ice cream in the house and I tell myself I can't have it, I want it, yeah. right? If I don't have ice cream in the house and I want it, it will drive me crazy. Wow. <laughs> the only thing that works for me is to have ice cream in the house, say I can have it, and then I can have it later. You know, yeah. I, I don't need it now. When it's not restricted. When I fucking say this is not a reward, when I say this is not, you know, this is, I don't get to have this if I'm good. I get to have this if I want it, mm -hmm. right? That finally is the only thing that took the teeth out of the monster that was driving me to the ice cream all the time. Right. And that's because of the damage I received at the time period mm -hmm. from a parent who was saying, you really shouldn't be eating that. You shouldn't be eating anything. Stop eating. <laughs> you know? When I think, um, only yeah. eat what you hate. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's what I was basically told. It's yeah. like the things you should be eating are the things you don't like. If you enjoy it, it's probably not. Get it off your list. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't until I finally broke that habit, which is, I think, what a lot of this article is talking about. Yes. Is, mm -hmm. That is what it's talking about. You're punishing your kids for being hungry and reaching for the thing they like. Right? Don't do that. Or just the thing they know. Yeah. Like the, they know. I just think it's so like it's so satisfying to see this, but also just the like, I don't know, the cycle of trying to make strides with this and the pushback and the you know, seeing like an article like this, but then seeing like, you know, a dozen articles about like, well, should we be giving babies weight loss surgery? Yeah. <laughs> because like here are the advantages. <laughs> and uh. the, like, it, the like, maybe we should just like pause and assess this and really just try to be kind to children and like, well, but maybe we should be doing more earlier and giving, you know, just like more weight loss surgery. And we also exist in, a, it's, it's a very interesting that we live in this time where I, I was listening to an article on NPR on the way here, where they were talking about the history of the school hot lunch program mm. in the United States, where they were basically saying like, you shouldn't give this food to all these kids. They're getting fat. They're, we're, gonna, we're making fat kids. Look how obese our children are, especially our poor people. That's the argument mm -hmm. now. Whereas the reason why they started was because we had kids starving in this country. <laughs> well, and we still and do. And we still do. Yeah. But it's better to have starving kids than a couple fat kids. Yeah, exactly. Uh, better six kids starve than one kid get fat. Exactly. <laughs> and like, I, I just don't understand the mentality on the anti-fat crusader bullshit. I, I'm, I'm well, sorry. I know I'm ranting. No, I mean, I know I'm not contributing anything useful here, but it's just driving me crazy. And I want to rant for a moment. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, and there's a whole political aspect to it too that I, I want to rant about, but I won't. <laughs> I just really love that, you know, they kind of close off the article talking about like, what if we just made fat a natural, just, or what if we just made fat a neutral descriptor? Mm -hmm. Oh and my God. Lot, like, and. Oh, shut I, up. <laughs> and well, and just you sound that, like, fat. It is. Okay. And I, you know, it was making me think of the article we talked about, I mean, earlier this year about, you know, them updating Roald Dahl's books and just removing fat. Right, as a descriptor, yeah. the worst but thing, keeping not, these yeah. horrible, just you know, just characters that are were written as like they're they're bad because they're fat, and this is how fat people act, and just kind of removing the word fat. But it's like okay, but but still, it is still you're still clearly talking yeah. about a fat person and yeah. just not saying it. Yeah, and just it the, just stigmatizes it yeah. further. And I just really would love that 
because like that, you know, the fat kid can just be the fat kid. And right. If someone says, oh my God, <laughs> it's like, you're fat. I'm like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And if that were the end of it. Wow. Oh my God, you're so brown eyed. Yeah, right. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, oh, I'm not going to get into Yeah, it, it gets into a whole thing um, where it, the thing about fat studies is if you look at the history of fat studies, it really, and so, this is true for a lot of uh, marginalized community, they, there are all these studies and all these discoveries that happen over and over and over again. You know, like, oh my God, you know, fat people do better when you don't hector them about weight. Yeah, we keep discovering that every 30 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, there's another, there's gonna be another study on that in 30 years. <laughs> it's like, yes, we knew that. We knew that in the 1950s, you know, or we knew that it, it, there's so much of this. Oh my God, we never knew. Yes, you did. Yes, mm-hmm. you did. You just ignored it and you're going to ignore it again. And I, I think one of the things that uh, ends up working against us is people are so happy to have their con- their bias confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? That they're just very happily willing to stick with it. And I think that's something we can transition into our main topic. Yeah. Where, mm-hmm. where one of the things that we're facing right now is in the chaotic United States that mm-hmm. we live in is the arraignment of Trump. Our former president has been arrested and locked up. He has? He, uh, well, (laughs) we're hoping. I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that last part. (laughs) But the point is, when he went in, he was booked and he was arraigned and they released his height and weight. He claimed that he is six foot three, I believe, (laughs) and 215 pounds. I think it's six four because it's, I was realizing today, I'm like, this is just seared into my brain. In a way that I hate because the minute it came out, yeah, it was all people were talking yeah. about. Because and, the, as if being fat was the worst thing he'd ever done. Yeah. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, the biggest end of his was not trying to overthrow the fucking American government, mm-hmm. <laughs> was not lying to the American people for four years, was not stealing, was not embezzling, was not tra- betraying the country. No. It was he lied about being fat. Oh, <laughs> well, and I, I saw this fat person on Facebook kind of like frustrated with this. And what they said was, okay, you know, what is Trump's height and weight? Question two, what are the 13 charges he's facing in Georgia? Exactly. (laughs) And like, can you answer one and not the other? Why is that? Why? Yeah, exactly. And so many, I've lost friends over this where they refused to stop hectoring online about, you know, that fat bastard, that orange fat, fat, yeah. And I'm like, you don't get to do that. I don't care if you don't like as if as if insulting fat people is okay if you really don't like the fat person. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that excuses you. And the his my friend's response what at the time was, well, you know, you, you know I support fat people. Then what's going on here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. Look, you you don't get to do that. Oh, and the the like, you know, in I I know the the people kind of specifically you're talking about. And I know other people that, you know, are just post all this anti-fat Trump stuff who, if anyone said the things that they're saying about Trump to them, Mm. the Facebook tirade that would follow and the like, just the, how indignant they would be. But it's like, oh, but it's okay because it's Trump. And it's like, but I hate that. Like, it's, it's don't make me defend a garbage person. (laughs) But the point of is plenty of reasons to hate this person (laughs) that are legitimate. You don't have to just focus in on your, your fat anti-fat bias, which is the point of our main topic. So it's something that we've seen in the past many times Mm -hmm. when a 
a person we don't like also can be described with the adjective fat. Yeah. Fat becomes the leading descriptor. It's the first descriptor often attached to that person when they're being discussed. Well, because Don, it just captures oh. everything. Well, you know what? It's also indefensible. Yes. Like in our society, right, right, being yeah. fat is an indefensible offense. Position. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so when you call somebody fat, that is visually seems to be fat, mm -hmm. which I guess to, to wrap up the Trump thing, he's visually speaking, definitely more than 215 pounds. Not that it matters, but the fact that he lied about being 215 was yeah. not like, oh, he's which, thinner than that. No, it's he's fatter than that. Which is a trap for people like me, right? Because when I'm insulting someone, I want to hurt right? I, I, want that, I want that insult to sting. It's kind of the point of an insult. So I'm going to go for the thing that I know is going to hurt you. And right. if you're desperately trying to pretend that you're not fat, mm -hmm. I'm going to use that word. Even if I, you know, I'm not saying it's a good thing and I'm not saying that it's rational, but I know it's going to hurt you. And if I'm angry enough, that's where I'm going. Yeah. You know, and so it, that's a trap we can't let ourselves get sucked into as fat people or as allies. That's all. Mm. I, that is a bad habit I've got that I need to work. Well, and, and it just again, not to focus too much on Trump, but there are so many better things to vilify him for. Like, yeah, it, it, the weight is like it's just it's, it's like useless. You're not you're not making you're not bringing somebody around to the fact that he's actually done horrible things. You're not swaying anybody. You're just shouting at the sky at that point. Mm -hmm. Like you're yeah. just making the world worse. Well, think of it as like when you are listing all the things that make someone bad, in general, you're kind of making them equivalent to each other because you're not able to say like, you know, the, in order of badness, these are the things I hate about this person. So when you say he's fat and a murderer, you're equating fatness with being a murderer, like whether you mean to or not, you're making them equivalent. Well, if you say he's a fat murderer, yeah. I think there's, there's an aspect to this that we're, overlooking, which, and I don't know how, how Trumpian we want to make this whole episode, <laughs> but it goes with that, that lyric that you talked about, Trevor. Um, from, yeah. Well, so I did, we, I guess we haven't talked about this yet. So yeah. for listeners who I'm curious, so how many of us were aware of this song, um, rich men North of Richmond by Oliver Anthony? Yes. That was kind of, it's gone viral. It is kind of the like new rallying song. It's the right wing's new for, anthem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd heard of it, but I had not listened to this. And it's kind of the whole thing of like, you know, the, the song is about, you know, the under the foot starving working class and, you know, the, the rich men north of Richmond bring them down, but kind of not really attacking those people. And there's a point where it goes into this lyric of Lord, we got folks starving in the streets. Lord, we got folks starving in the street, ain't got nothing to eat. And the obese milk and welfare well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, Texas not ought, Texas ought not to pay for your bag of fudge rounds. Which is a sort of inept way of saying, if you're fat, you don't deserve welfare because obviously you mm -hmm. don't need the food. Right. And, and also you're going like, to waste it by you're going to waste it. Choices yeah. Right. Because, because if you're fat, you obviously you always make bad choices. Right. And I also mm -hmm. evoking a very specific kind of welfare queen yeah. image from the Reagan era. Yeah. Let me just say, because I looked because I mean, I it's so oh, for listeners who aren't aware or maybe in another country, fudge rounds are a little Debbie product, which is like one of the cheapest snack cakes you can buy. It's like five dollars for a you know, bag, quote unquote, or box of fudge rounds. That is nothing. And it is 
Like a, it is one of the cheapest things you can buy. And if you're on welfare, you are trying to get you a better, yeah, you like you. <laughs> well, and also it's, it's just a, such a, like in the United States, cheap food is the most fattening food available. Right. So if yeah. you're poor, you're, that's mostly but to, what you're going to have. But to be complaining to. about that and yeah. not corporate profits. It's yes. absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. The five dollar fudge rounds is the problem, not the five billion dollars in worth yeah. of like these executives, or or even just the <laughs> you know like uh, octopus mega corporation where you know little Debbie is nestled in there, and co the cost of a box of fudge rounds has continually gone up, even though it and you know the whole like shrinkflation thing. There's so many things in this to unpack. Yeah. And it is not the fat person struggling to get by who should be being attacked. And I just kind of wanted to wrap all of that together in the observation that one of the primary fuels for right-wing propaganda is toxic masculinity. Is this idea of, you know, of tougher, tougher, meaner, more intolerant, which often goes along with whiter, more masculine, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so they have mm -hmm. cast the image of Trump as this sort of masculine savior, mm -hmm. you know, like the muscle Jesus, <laughs> right? There's which whole, if you look at any of the art they're selling of him, that's right? Exactly. No, it's 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 like uh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> WWF Jesus. So <laughs> and. This whole idea, and it goes back to, there's, there's people who've written books on this. Uh, the title of one is uh, Escaping. It's like Christianity and John Wayne, where it's talking about how, the, how conservatism, conservatism has that has morphed into the racism of the Republican Party, really, and the sexism, has, has just taken this to a new uh, horror. But what I want to point out, and how this comes back to like, what has this got to do with the Big Fat Gay podcast? <laughs> what I want to point out is what I think people are pointing to when they go after Trump's fatness is the contradiction between the perceived equivalence of masculinity mm -hmm. and muscularity. Oh, interesting. So when you're calling Trump fat as an insult, you're emasculating. Him. You're trying to emas you're trying to you're trying to burst that bubble of him being, you know, WWF Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, and the whole thing of, you know, say like when it is attacking Trump's weight or there are these kind of photoshopped images to make him look fatter and dumpier, it is like, oh, well, he's a fat diaper wearing yep. old, you know, like all this stuff that is problematic. And it's just so this frustrating thing of like, yes, he is terrible and he has attacked all of these different kinds of people. So... I understand the instinct to say, well, he attacks these people, but he's actually worse than all of them. But in doing that, you're still harming yeah. all of those people. You're harming disabled people. You're harming fat people. You're harming, you know, orange you're people. going ages. <laughs> orange people. Every, Oompa this every is not a time I want to be orange American. Yeah. <laughs> it is not a time. And like, what about just talking about how deplorable it is that, you know, he buried his ex-wife in basically an unmarked grave on his golf course and it's still there and like the little plaque is overgrown because of a weird tax hole. Yeah, he could, he could make the he, like write-off thing. This is so weird. Yeah, and like how yeah. twisted and fucked up and wrong that is. But no, but it's just easier to say like, oh, look, he actually isn't 215 pounds. <laughs> 
Got him. Well, you and, got him. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. There's you know, no. But I think it goes back to that whole argument where that people really feel, which is, you know, when they go low, we go lower. And right. that's what this is. Yeah. That's what this exactly. is. Trump yeah. attracts every marginalized person. So to get him, we're going to compare him to other marginalized people that right. we all, that they hate, we hate, they hate, we hate. Well, but, and know? the thing is like to be fat in America is to be is not to be viewed as a marginalized person. You don't you don't even get the credit mm-hmm. of no. being a marginalized community. Well, because it's your fat. fault, right. right? Exactly. Yeah. My thing is always like it is the one group that every other group can agree yep. to hate. I mean, thank God it used to be yeah. the gays. Now it's yeah. just the fat people. Mm. No, but it's the gays again. <laughs> thing you know, it's yeah. things are great to be a big fat gay yeah. podcaster. It's the perfect time. <laughs> Everything's grand. Yeah. It's. <laughs> We're winning. <laughs> no, and, and you know, and that is really part of the axis of this is that you can you can justify marginalizing a group of people if you can convince your followers that it's again how we've we've heard this it's a choice it's a choice being fat is a choice being gay is a choice being trans is a choice or you know even if you're Af- if you're African American or if you're black this idea that like, well, you can't help that, but you can certainly help all these things because, you know, then we look at C. Ben Carson, you know, or, or we, you know, it's that the idea is that it's your own damn fault. Therefore it's not our fault for oppressing you. That's what I've noticed. Like, uh, I can never, I can't remember the name of the black candidate in the Republican primary right now, yeah. but <laughs> every time, can anyone else. Yeah. But hmm. it's Tim something, Tim Price or something. Scott, Tim Scott, maybe. I but think it's, it's Tim. Who but, knows? Yeah. It, it's not important. But the fact is, every time I see him getting uh, airtime, mm. right, in any of the, it's always him saying things like, it's absolutely true everything Republicans are saying about black people. He, it's his entire thing is validating mm-hmm. all the stereotypes. And that's the only thing that's getting him legs. Oh, but don't worry. He's not married to, and Republicans are afraid that he either might be gay or people will think he's gay. No, but the point is, as long as he's around, they can keep saying, oh, I'm considering a black person on my list. Mm -hmm. None of them are going to vote for him. We all know it, Mm -hmm. but they can all say they're thinking about it. He's in the lead. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm just ranting today. Ignore me. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, dear listener. I'm having issues. It's a a heavy episode, as I said earlier, but... At this point, pun intended, that's, if, listener, if you haven't guessed the theme, <laughs> it's uh, weight. At this point of the episode, as we're, we're rounding out, it's weight. So this is something that we've, we've brought up way earlier on the show, is the tendency for many allies and friends, and even ourselves, as, as mm-hmm. I've discussed, using weight as an insult when we know it's something that will hurt someone or try to devalue them, or, and we need to stop. That's all it is. We, we need to stop trying to include that. And yeah, because, I think start calling it out when other people are doing exactly, it in a way that we feel included. We have the unique position to say like, did you mean to insult me there? Because you did. Yeah. And one you know? thing I, to, to wrap it back, like the thing I told my, my friend, because his defense was, well, you know, Trump doesn't care what I say about him. Trump will never read this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but how many other fat people will? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many other fat people will see you using their weight as a cudgel to yep. beat them up with? And so we are trying to move away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't allow it. Do we have a tip today? So this is, I don't know, a tip, but like a tip for like ways you can help Miami. So Adaptive Maui, which is a company Do that- Do you mean Maui? Maui. Maui. <laughs> what did I say? Miami. 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 Oh my God. I'm like, why are we helping Miami? It's like, I have no desire to help Miami. <laughs> no. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a way to help the Maui victims after the 
you know, the, the terrible fires there. Adaptive Maui, which is a community organization focused on helping uh, disabled people after the, the fires, is collecting clothing in sizes 3XL through 6XL. I think, truthfully, if you have something beyond 6XL, oh, yeah, that would be, throw it in. Uh, you know, great to include. And if you don't have clothes, you can. they have a, an Amazon wish list and you can also send the money. But if you have clothes, you can send them to Adaptive Maui, P.O. Box 791465, Paya, Hawaii, 96779. And we'll put the link up on our website? Yeah, we'll put the link on our website. I will probably maybe also try to include this in the description so that you can, like, you'll be able to just look at the the episode summary on whatever app you're listening on. But I think it's a great way to help out. And I always, I think of whenever there's any disaster and they're doing drives that like there must be a lot of fat people who are not going to get anything because people aren't going to be donating clothing in those sizes. Mm. And speaking as uh, someone of that descent, (laughs) we need the bigger sizes, people, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, as our bit today, I thought we'd just have a little mini mini thoughts sharing moments, memory discussion. Oh, I have a lot of mini thoughts. Memory. <laughs> Most of my thoughts are mini. So since we're talking today about uh, feeling large or feeling small or that sort of thing, uh, give an example of a time you suddenly or unexpectedly found yourself feeling really, really big or really, really tiny. And why? <laughs> In met- metaphorically or physically? Um, either way. Okay. Uh, for me... Uh, so uh, as an example, I'm going to share an experience that we all shared together. We went to Club Chub not too mm-hmm. long ago, and I was very excited to wear my, ba- my new bathing suit that I didn't get to wear at Bigger Vegas. I was so excited. I wore it down there, and then uh, I checked my pants. I had my, t- my bathing suit, and I looked down, and I realized I wore the biggest fucking shirt I own <laughs> when I went. And I was Did like, it cover the what? bathing suit? It covered, it covered everything. Yeah. I went down to my knees, and I'm like, wait, oh, god damn it. And I, I didn't feel comfortable taking it off because it wasn't like a big naked event, like, you know, just your bathing suit event. Um, oh, you could have gone topless like the other go-go boys. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I just felt very, I felt weirdly small underneath that gigantic shirt. So mm. to make a point, I, t- I took the shirt off and took a big picture in front and Yay. then realized I was the only one doing that and felt really weird. But, oh. <laughs> uh, but I think it was I still just point. early in the evening by mm. that point because we got there pretty much right when they started off. Yeah, but I wasn't planning on staying that long. So yeah. I just, I needed to do something to make a point. So I took that picture. Yeah. And Oversized clothing on big people never has the intended effect, believe me. I just didn't realize that I'd done, like I was so pleased with myself that I was taking the risk of wearing the bathing suit. Hmm. I wasn't thinking about the rest of the outfit. So mm-hmm. uh, I felt very small in that moment. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I think, well, mine's similar to that. The one that I'm that just occurs to me off the top of my head was last year at Bigger Vegas, I shared during our live episode, uh, like the discomfort and you know, hesitation about going into the swimming pool and wearing my swimsuit, basically the same, same situation and feeling very small in talking about it in that moment, mm-hmm. sort of like all eyes are on me mm-hmm. and I'm, ta- I'm sort of, okay, well, I'm talking now and it's, it's happening. And then afterwards having uh, basically an outpouring of support, yeah. even like in like during the episode, because it was very discussion mm-hmm. based. If you haven't heard it yet, very good episode. This Audio was, was rough. This was the um, live episode we recorded in front of uh, the bigger city. Group. Yeah, in front mm-hmm. of it. Exactly. And so f- afterwards and, and then actually going to the pool and having some of the people who had 
were there for the episode be in the pool with us and mm-hmm. feeling I felt very looked at, which made the experience very intense. Uh, but I think by the end of the day, yeah, I felt kind of metaphorically big, like sort of lifted up, bu- buoyed. Yes. Maybe that's a better that's way to That's something it. we've never really discussed is what your experience there was an experience of being looked at mm. and the, which made it memorable. My experience of not being looked at is what made it memorable for me. Hmm. At Bigger Vegas? At Bigger or, Vegas. Oh, 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 like, oh, remember, I, I talked about being in the pool, laying, laying and just feeling like I was not the center of attention the way oh, I, I always Oh, do. and liking right. not being the center. Yeah, yeah. it was nice. Yeah. It, was, it was really different for me to be in a bathing suit and not feel like the entire world is staring at me. Yeah, yeah. Which I imagine must be what it's like for you at a regular pool. It's just, I am in a bathing suit. I, I mean, I just don't. I, I avoid pools in life. Like I, it's, it's <laughs> for that my, reason. Yeah, for, mm. that probably applies to most thinner people, but in my case, I, I avoid pools like the plague. Mm. Yeah, not my thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, there's been times with specific pieces of furniture where I have gotten to feel tiny. And specifically, I'm thinking of our friend Phil used to have this oh, yeah. custom armchair thing he had made that was basically like the width of a twin bed. <laughs> and it was like a, just a giant wow. armchair. And I got to like, it was kind of high. So like getting on <laughs> so it, I got to feel like a little kid. <laughs> well, because, because when Phil, because Phil designed it, like he gave the manufacturer the measurements mm-hmm. and he's like, well, how high is a chair? Well, a chair is like 18 inches or something, but he hadn't counted on the cushion which, mm-hmm. because he designed it for himself and other fat people, mm. was massive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh. it was six inches on top of an 18-inch chair height. So it was 24. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Trevor has to climb up. And he's like Lily Tomlin <laughs> in her character that's yes. on the big rocking chair, if you ever remember laughing. Mm-hmm. I mean, a well, fan. I love it when I can find those chairs. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me happy. Well, for Trevor, that's almost any chair. Yeah, but I just, lo- I don't know. I love getting to feel tiny because I usually... Yep. Don't. Or that big, um, the Adirondack chair that we were on at the cruise. They had this, we, we were in some island and they had this massive oh, yeah. Adirondack chair, which I don't know if you know, is basically a wooden slatted chair, but it was designed that like a family could sit in it mm-hmm. or me oh. and Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, lo- like you had to have your picture taken yes, in that well, chair. Yes, well, I got to feel like a little tiny. It should also be said that Trevor has an affinity for little things, little hors d'oeuvres, yes. little snacks, yeah. little pies, anything little. If he can make something else look even tinier in his hands, he's happy. Yeah. I'm excited for, we're going to be going to Disneyland and I'm excited Excited to go to the Ant Man little oh. restaurant because they have giant food and little food, oh, really? and the oh. food that's normally little. Oh yeah, I've been there. I is, did that. Yeah, it's fun. It's food, food that's normally tiny is giant, and food that's <laughs> usually big is tiny. Yeah, which is like yes, that's how I want everything in life. I saw somebody eating. I I think it was a uh like a like a ho ho like the of something like that, but mm-hmm. they. You know, it's huge. It's like, you know, a foot long because yeah. it's like the large size mm-hmm. version of it. But it was a really, really hot day and it had just instantly started melting. Oh, and no. so oh. it was a mess. I <laughs> saw somewhere selling a one pound Reese's peanut butter cup and I regret mm. not buying it to this day. Have you mm. ever seen the, the... So you had to buy the equivalent in smaller peanut butter cups. Uh, <laughs> the the share. I'm feeling very called out right now. What? That's what I do with Trevor. <laughs> the, have you seen the share size Snickers that they sometimes have? 
at oh, Christmas what? where it's like I'm sorry you said share size and I feel like whoa <laughs> that's what I was thinking <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking it's, she's it's, tall but not that tall it's like a snicker the size of Her my arms <laughs> and it's, it's just it's wow. just me that you like carve it like a Thanksgiving turkey <laughs> What? It can take Trevor a day one. to get through that. <laughs> no, I just think it, the ratio of everything would be wrong because you'd be biting into it and it would just feel like a mouthful of yeah, caramel. caramel. Well, I'm just hoping the peanuts are like the same size. <laughs> like They're like two inches across. Yeah, you know? exactly. They shattered all your teeth on a giant <laughs> oh, peanut. Oh dear, oh dear. I think the first experience is like any time I get on an airplane – I feel like I'm the Incredible Hulk just sat down because it's so tiny and mm. it's not the width, obviously. It's not the width of the seat. It's the width of the shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I sit in one of those, and again, this, and even in first class, because I don't know, I don't think of myself as that big. I don't think I am that big, but I think the seats are so goddamn small. Yeah. And my shoulders, like there's no place for me to put my elbows because I feel like everything's the wrong height. Everything's the wrong width. Yeah. When I'm sitting in a regular coach seat, like, you know, with Trevor on Southwest, I have my entire shoulder in the aisle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then people walking by boom, and the boom, cart boom, like slams boom. into you. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous. And that's the thing. It's like, it's not, I'm not saying I'm the Incredible Hulk. I'm saying the seats are so friggin' tiny. Well, and I'll tell you, I have an experience of that same problem. Exactly. And I'm not as yeah. wide as you are shoulder wise, yeah. but it's still like. It's ridiculous. And then you have to tuck your arms in Ugh. and I run hot. So if my arms are pressed against my body, I start sweating. Hey, but you know, it's over in like six hours. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I love you both, but I've got the worst of both worlds. Cause yeah, I've got, I've both. got the shoulders and the belly. And the, so yeah. just yeah. Yeah. fuck everyone. The other thing though, is it's sort of the, I don't know. It's sort of a combination of, of Don and Michael's story. So obviously everybody goes through bad, bad body image days and there's some days you feel good and some days you feel disgusting and whatever, whatever your version of disgusting is, right? Mm -hmm. Too fat, too slim, too tall, too short, too whatever. And one of the things I've learned is that whatever's going on in my head is usually not a match for the world's perception of me. So I'm, and it's, I've learned that one of the things about the whole idea of self-esteem, the whole model of self-esteem, like it's this exterior quantity that you have to get more of, doesn't make sense to me because like, oh, you need more self-esteem. You should really have more self-esteem. Oh, great. Thanks. I'll go to the self-esteem yeah. store. <laughs> you know, what's got to scoop more from the big, heavy self-esteem. Exactly. <laughs> you got to buy it from the bulk esteem section. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, so that, cost so when I'm like, when I'm coaching people, I dispense with the whole self-esteem model, which doesn't work and makes no sense. But really, a lot of what I've discovered is it's really about giving up your opinion about yourself as somehow being superior. Like if I'm, let's say I'm going to like Chub Club or some, some bar and I'm having a negative body image, which is just the worst thing to do when you go to a pool or a bar. Mm. <laughs> but I'm there because, well, that's the only time, that, that's when it's happening. And it's really, if I'm in my head about like, I don't look good enough and this is, and this is why, it's really can be really gratifying when somebody has like a positive view of me. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go with that. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. I am going to, right? Because so often, like if you think of some, so often when you compliment someone, they're going like, oh, well, it's so nice of you to say that, which mm -hmm. is the ultimate fuck you. you know? <laughs> like if you, a lot of times if I'll tell a fat guy like, wow, you look really great. It's like, oh, it's so nice of you to say that, which is no, I don't. You're wrong. But anyway, thanks. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it's, it's that idea that my opinion of myself is somehow better or more valid than your opinion of what I look yeah. like. When your opinion is more fun, yeah. I'm going to go with that. 
I'm going to take the opinion that empowers me, even if it's not my own. Because guess what? I can make it my own. <laughs> I, I am a strong believer that it's very difficult to sort of build self-esteem from scratch. Right. No. Like, yeah. And there's no such thing. Yeah. There's no such thing as there's no physical quantity yeah. of this, you know, esteem units. Yeah. <laughs> Pride, self-esteem. Like, I feel like we have to feed it to each other. We get something nurtured in each. In yeah. Each and, and like I said, it's the wrong model. It yeah. doesn't work as a model. I would like to point out that I got a quick glimpse of Trevor's phone before he turned it off. And he was looking up the massive Snickers while this discussion was going on. <laughs> I'm hoping on. he's got a picture to share. I do. Good. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Trevor, if people want to send us a massive Snickers, where would they get in touch to do that? Well, we're on Twitter and Instagram as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Uh, keep that in mind because I'm trying to get off Facebook and Michael's off and I, yeah, it's I hot potato for the Facebook. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bigfatgaypod. Something else maybe? I don't know. I think that was all of them. Yeah. It's in a different order. Maybe you're uh, you're at the store and it's, you know, not Halloween yet, so they have the Christmas stuff up because we're getting <laughs> we're getting close. And they have the slice and share Snickers that we talked about <laughs> in the cutting room floor, I'm slice realizing. <laughs> it's, it's a pound of Snickers, baby. And uh, it's a whole lot, so watch out. Watch out. <laughs> I thought you were going to give out our address when Michael said, where can they send that big Snickers bar? How much does it weigh? A pound. pound. 16 <laughs> ounces of Snickers, baby. That's right. Or 14 Imperial pounds. <laughs> <laughs>